Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode number 37. Trey Entity, Nick Caparoso, Marty Leap with you as always. Tonight, we welcome in a staff writer, a guy that's been working for Rum Buncher for two years. Excited to have him on tonight, Jeff Cup. Jeff, thank you for being with us tonight, coming on, sharing your thoughts. How are you doing? How's this 2021 treating you so far? Uh, so far, so good. Outside of the uh, Steelers loss, but, uh, you know, as a Pirates fan, I can't get too disappointed watching <laughs> no kidding, man. The Steelers went down last week. We were recording during that game. Uh, unfortunate, if nothing else. But at least the Browns got bounced today. So, um, you know, there's that. <laughs> this offseason continues to roll on. Uh, the offseason now beginning for the Steelers, but it's, it's gotten a lot hotter for the Pirates since the last time we spoke. International signing day, uh, international signing period began this past Friday. The Pirates making a splash right away, signing the number 10 overall prospect available, Shaylin Polanco. No relation to Gregory. He is an outfielder, though, from the Dominican Republic. Just 16 years old. Big signing for the Pirates. This got a lot of people excited. Um, you know, definitely made headlines around the league. We knew they were going to be active. Uh, you know, getting Shaylin Polanco early on is a good sign. What's your guys' initial reactions to this and, you know, what you think it means for the Pirates as they continue to rebuild? Nick, you want to get us started? Absolutely. So, you know, Shaylin Polanco about a year ago was rumored to be signing with the Pirates. So he's been he's been rumored to be, you know, a future Pirate for a while. A lot of people thought July 2nd would be that date, the traditional international um, free agent market opening date but uh this year with everything going on they they moved it back to january 15th you know the expectation is that that date may stick uh we'll talk about that another time but so it took a little longer people i think were getting a little worried about you know would you know polanco's decision maybe change um with so much time but you know i think you see uh, with international free agents, they, they agree to terms with um, teams for not only for the money, but there's there's a lot more that goes into the relationship with those guys. So Polanco seems pretty committed and pretty happy to be a Pirate, and Pirate fans should be excited. Um, you know, in terms of he's the top center fielder on um, the international free agent market. There's only two outfielders ahead of him who both project to be, you know, more like corner outfielders. So in terms of, you know, the best all around athlete for outfielders, the Pirates got it. Um, you're looking at a guy who should be able to stick in center field, uh, has plus speed, plus uh, hit tool. Um, you know, overall, the big questions will be how much power will he develop into his, you know, five foot 11, six foot ish frame right now. And, you know, how strong will his arm develop uh, through the years? Yeah, well, uh, Nick summed things up pretty well. There's definitely a lot of excitement 
around this Polanco signing, and there should be. Um, like you said, he was one of the top players available in your national free agency this year and um, one of the best outfielders. So I think this is a signing where, I mean, it caught a lot of flack on Pirates Twitter, but everything the Pirates do catches flack on Pirates Twitter. People complaining about them signing 16-year-olds instead of signing major league talent. And the fact of the matter is when you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, yeah, it's, we talked about it on the last podcast. This offseason has shown how broken baseball is. It has shown how if you're not one of these huge market teams that can go out there and spend ridiculous amounts of money, this you have to do it. I mean, we, you know, you see the Chicago Cubs, you see the Cincinnati Reds, you see these teams trying to shed payroll. You know, the, the way to do it is through the draft, through international free agency, through development. And, yes, not everyone's going to hit international free agency. But, you know, if you're signing guys like Polanco, who are extremely talented, extremely high-rated, those guys are more likely to hit than not. You know what I mean? It's, it's like the take recruiting acronym, for example, and people say starters don't matter. Well, to an extent, maybe they don't, but the Alabama signs the most five and four stars every year. That's why Alabama's in the college football playoff every year. You know what I mean? The team with the most talent, if you have guys flame out, you're going to have enough guys who are going to develop, and you're going to be a good team. And that's one thing I really like that the Pittsburgh Pirates front office has done the last few years since Junior Vizcan has taken over. They've been really aggressive on the international market. Last year, they signed, I think, upwards of like 49 total players. Um, they were very aggressive. Um, even like after the fact, signing um, Yo Poo Chun and uh, that uh, McGuire from Australia. So, it, you know, it's definitely something like you're saying, Marty. They're trying to be more aggressive on that front because the more talent, obviously, the more chances you have at finding, you know, your next superstar. Uh, the, the one thing I did want to also add to this before, you know, we let Jeff cut in here is that this was actually the Pirates' biggest signing bonus handed out to a hitter on the international free agent market. The biggest signing bonus still was given to pitcher Luis Heredia. Um, which obviously didn't work out, but as time goes on, we learned that there was uh, some misinformation that was being handed around from uh, the Pirates' former farm director, but we won't go down that road. Anyhow, the point is, obviously, the Pirates are very high on this guy. The fact that he's a center fielder with you know average to above-average tools, um, there's a good chance this guy's going to you know one day definitely make the big leagues. It's just a matter of, like I said, how – how good is he actually going to become? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing with uh, you know, looking at guys in the international pool that are you know sixteen and young. I mean, you get a lot of risk. Like obviously, we mentioned Heredia and how he didn't really pan out. But uh, you know, it's kind of like a coin flip. But when it comes to this new front office, I think they've done a really good job of identifying those uh, key guys who have still really high scores. Um, and I feel like this is a big difference from the Heredia signing. Uh, I mean, Charrington knows what he's doing, and you know he's stepped up to try and improve uh, the Pirates signing on the international front. So you know he's gonna have trust that you know a couple years down the road from now we're gonna be hearing Columbus name again. Certainly, certainly. And you know I think a signing like this just gets people excited if nothing else because the talent is definitely there, the ceiling is certainly there, and I appreciate the analogy, Marty. Alabama does do a good job on the recruiting front. Appreciate the love this week as well. Don't want to step on any, you know, Ohio State Coast fans. <laughs> we, 
We love all we love all college football teams. It was a great game on Monday, uh, but we don't love all college. I mean, we don't love all Major League Baseball teams, especially the St. Louis Cardinals. We love our Pittsburgh Pirates, and, and a move like this does get you excited, but it also, you know, does have you worry a little bit. Sixteen years old is young, and the reaction on Twitter was was a little much. Um, you know, I'll go back to you here, Jeff. Is is the risk? Is that big of a signing bonus? Do you think worth it, or, or what do you think they saw initially that that made them? You know, make that decision and give him the two point five million. Uh, you know, I, I think they saw a guy. You know, he's going to be ranked high. You know, eleven by the pipeline. Uh, I think he's by Baseball America. And what I think they saw was a guy that had all the tools. You know, he had a good soft build. He could play the game. Uh, he could play defensively. You know, he's a good contact guy. And you know, if you're looking at sixteen year olds and stuff, there's not a lot you can do, but the tools and your athleticism. So I know it's going to take a while and hard to manage them out like that. But just look at a guy that, you know, you can still build your team and then you down the line. You, you can supplement him into the lineup. It's going to be a big plus for the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing that, you know, I, I want to point out, and, you know, we keep on kind of touching on this between Pirate fans being upset on Twitter about this. Like, the, every team in Major League Baseball was doing this on January 15th. They were handing out big signing bonuses to uh, 16-year-old prospects. This isn't just something the Pirates are doing, you know, trying to find hidden gems somewhere because they're the Pirates. This is part of the process, just like the big league draft is every year. This is essentially the draft for international players, except it works more like free agency. Each team is given a certain cap on how much they can spend each year. The Pirates were given a cap number along with many other teams in the 5 million to 6 million range, while some other teams had a little over 6 million. I mean, it's not, there's no reason for pirate fans to be complaining about these moves. They should be excited that the team is looking to identify top prospects and sign them and bring them in. There's no, I mean, there's really no, I, I don't get the whole joke behind it. This is, this is the process of, of how the MLB works. <laughs> Getting guys. Uh, in, Sorry. It's frustrating. Oh, no, it certainly is. And, um, you know, you got to think when do these type reactions stop? Because this is, sorry guys, I was muted there. Um, you know, it is frustrating, Nick. And you got to think, um, you know, when do these kind of reactions stop? I, I think a guy like Shalom Polanco coming in and proving himself down the line could be a big step towards that. And this new regime continuing to make moves that, you know, get headlines like that. They, you know, kind of forecasted that it was going to be a very eventful day one there of the international signing period. Pirates signed 14 players. Six of them are pitchers, and they're all right-handers. You know, we saw a similar strategy during the draft uh, this past summer. Does this kind of fit in line with, with Ben Charrington's mindset? Why does he rely on these right-handers? I guess what was the strategy there going after six pitchers all being right-handers? Them all being right-handers are probably more coincidence than anything else. I mean, you know, if you're if you're Ben Charrington, this is something we've covered on the site, we've talked about on the podcast. When he took over, he inherited a much better farm system than a lot of people realized. But the one area it was severely lacking was pitching, and Charrington has made a huge concentration on adding pitching. Brennan Malone, Carmen Majenski, Jared Jones, Nick Garcia, these guys in international free agency. You know, it, it's what he's done. In the World 5 draft, he had two more intriguing bullpen prospects in the system. So the, the system needed pitching. 
Carrington knew it, and he has continued to emphasize pitching. And ultimately, you know, pitching is what's going to win you games. And this is something I know Nick always likes to mention. If you want to add to your major league roster, rather it's going to be via trade or free agency, pitching is always going to be more expensive than hitting as well. So that's why you stockpile pitching in your farm system. Because ultimately, if you have a good development, you have a good eye for talent, which Sherrington has proven he does, more guys are going to hit than aren't going to hit. And as a result, you're going to be out looking to add hitting, most likely in years you're contending, not looking at pitching. And hitting is always going to be easier to find and cheaper to come by. Yeah, and, you know, Marty, you're spot on there. Uh, more or less, you know, the international free agent market with these pitchers, the more you sign, it, it, this really is the lottery here. You're They're going to sign a ton of pitchers in the international free agent market. Um, Pirates uh, Baseball Network, John Drecker he, and Tim Williams, they said it best in their write-up that, you know, really you're going to see a lot of the same um, write-ups on these guys. They're all going to be six foot to six foot three, throwing upwards of around 90 miles per hour with room to fill in. Okay. Because they're 16. So the, the, like you said, the key is for Charrington to be identifying the guys who, you know, are actually going to be able to f- grow into that frame and be able to mature into that frame. The guy, the guy I'm most excited about, um, that they signed is Jose Garces. He's a six foot two uh, righty from Colombia, and really he's considered probably the most advanced pitcher the Pirates signed. But he's only about 150 pounds, so the fact that he's very advanced or 90 miles per hour and has a six foot two frame at 16 years old, you gotta like um, the potential there for him to grow into. The other thing is he does throw a, a plus curve and a plus change up already. So there's a lot to like. He has good spin rates, uh, according to the reports. And that that's really what Charrington has focused on. So Jose Garces is a guy to, to keep an eye on uh, in terms of the pitchers that they signed. Yeah, I think that's a fair point there. That, um, you know, he's, he's going after a lot of guys who are, you know, just that stocky, like, you know, six foot threes or 90 has to go upwards, 95, possibly in the future. Um, not not, not to get too tangent here. I also wanted to point out one guy I like from this free agency sign. He's actually not a pitcher, uh, but he's a character. I think the lens has been so far, right? The thing I like about him is he's actually an outfielder who had power that they were looking at. Uh, but they didn't let him in the core outfield slide. Whenever they uh, Emmanuel Gomez, the Dominican Catholic supervisor, came back to Washington, they stuck him behind the plate and turned out this guy fit a lot better mold behind, you know, the plate at the home game. So this is a guy who has raw power. He played out, you know, and he's sort of a character. Down the line, I can help Yeah, and you say, well, that's not a pitcher. That goes hand-in-hand with our pitchers, a big thing. You know, obviously, we saw with Stallings and the difference he can make with the pitching staff. So, you know, and and one thing that immediately made me think of was our fourth-round draft pick this year, uh, Jack Hartman, who was a shortstop-turned pitcher. Um, You know, 
Ben Sherrington, another trend in the prospects he looks for, you know, Anthony Alford's another example, are very athletic players, you know. And like you said, the fact that he played outfield and now he projects to be behind the plate, you got to figure, you know, I think what you're hinting at is that the athleticism is obviously probably going to be there behind the plate if he was able to play in the outfield as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, something that the Pirates definitely needed in the organization is catching help. A good signing there. Pirates add four outfielders along with the signing of Polanco. Three shortstops as well. Let's talk about some of these position players a little bit further. Which guys are you the most excited? Rodolfo, uh, De La Cruz, Eddie Rodriguez, some of these guys highlighting um, this one. Darlin Diaz highlighting that pitching group as well. Which other of these signings, the, the massive group of 14 of them, really, uh, you know, turned you guys ears on Friday? Yes, Merlin Valdez was a big guy for me, six foot two, 180 pound power corner outfield bat. Um, you know, which is once again, the Pirates need power in their system. Uh, this kid looks like, you know, to be their best power prospect that they're going to be bringing in and obviously has all the frame and potential that you want uh, in a future um, power outfield prospect. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, another outfielder, Ruben uh, Vizcaya, I want to say. Um, but basically, a, a five foot ten guy from Venezuela uh, looks pretty good. Um, he, you know, he just goes through three different outfielders in this class. Um, he's not a name like Blanco uh, is, but I think he could be uh, beneficial to the farm system here. Definitely. And, you know, all these guys. Just stockpiling the pictures like we're talking about everything else. It gives the Pirates a chance to, you know, at least have a couple of them pan out down the road here. Like the moves there on Friday, the Pirates avoid arbitration with all nine eligible players. Uh, you know, Joe Musgrove being one of those, Chris Stratton, Richard Rodriguez. What do these moves tell you about, you know, what's coming in the future as far as trades go and, and how they feel about certain players? Chris Stratton, Richard Rodriguez deals, um, you know, I think kind of hint that we're going to see some movement there. Obviously, Joe Musgrove has been the hottest name on the block here for some time. What are you guys' thoughts about uh, the arbitration, um, or avoiding it, rather, as the Pirates make those moves this weekend? Marty, uh, you want to get us started? You had the article out this week on it. Yeah, honestly, my biggest takeaway from them avoiding arbitration with all those guys is settling with Joe Musgrove for four and a half million, just a hair under four and a half million dollars for next year, just raises his trade value further. Um, with what he did last year, if you project that out over a normal 32, 33 start season, he would have been on pace to easily be a four plus war pitcher. And if you can get that for four and a, just again, like I said, just under four and a half million dollars, that's a bargain. And I think one big thing that helps too with Musgrove also is you have a lot of teams, like take the New York Yankees, for example, team was very involved with Joe Musgrove, very interested with the trade talks there, who are up against the luxury tax. And, you know, adding Musgrove for $4.4 million is going to keep them under it. You know, you you look at another team in Musgrove, the Washington Nationals have been interested in him. The San Francisco Giants and the Anaheim Angels are teams that could potentially be interested in him. They're teams that are looking to make multiple moves. The Toronto Blue Jays, another team, looking to make multiple moves. So if you can add Musgrove for just $4.4 million, that leaves you a lot of money that you can then go spend elsewhere in free agency if you're one of those teams. So I think Musgrove settling it raises his trade value, not only because teams now know what he will be paid in 2021, but because it is such a low number. 
and two guys you touched on there, Trey, Chris Stratton and Richard Rodriguez, they're two guys that I thought already had sneaky good trade value when you consider their contract, their years of control, what they've done, all of that. But you throw in that, uh, I believe, off the top of my head, I could be wrong, and if I am, I apologize. Rich Rod settled for $1.3 million and Stratton for $1.1 million. Again, that could be a real bargain for a guy like Rich Rod or Stratton who, you know, on a, on a World Series playoff contending team, probably not closing out games for you, but definitely a guy you'd feel comfortable handing the ball to with a two or three run lead in the seventh or eighth inning. Yeah, Marty. Joe Musgrove, um, you look at him settling at 4.4, you, you, you nailed the – you nailed it right there by saying the luxury tax thing is the big thing there. Uh, the fact that teams are going to be able to acquire him at a very cheap price versus signing a free, you know, free agent starter. Um, even if you're looking for a mid-rotation free agent starter, you're going to be paying a lot more for that um, than what you would be paying Joe Musgrove this year and probably even next year. And that's the thing. Um, Musgrove has, you know, multiple years of control here left. So teams are going to be able to, um, you know, look at him and project him forward in their rotation, which not only helps them, you know, this year, but looking at, you know, cost certainty and projections towards, you know, the future and trying to extend players. Musgrove is going to be in the arbitration process. And, you know, with that, there's a relatively, um, low ceiling that he's going to be able to meet at this point based off of, you know, his first year of arbitration at 4.4 million first year. Right. So you got to like that. Um, You got to like the fact that they were able to settle with all nine guys. Um, You know, that's not exactly going to hold up their off season now. Not that it should have before, but you just never know. Um, You know, we've seen in the past where, like Garrett Cole, they were waiting for his arbitration case before they traded him. So to get those arbitration cases locked up, this at least allows them to pretty much have a clear path going forward of, you know, at this point it's going to be all about transactions. Definitely. And I think there's a little bit of a misconception. I was talking to my dad today on the phone. Um, he, he had read the article and you know, he was kind of thinking, well, maybe this means that, that Joe Musgrove is going to be a pirate for a little bit, but like you guys are talking about this only furthers, I think the trade conversation and sets them up for, for more value there. The pirates, uh, making some moves this week, roster wise, we'll hit on another one of your articles here. Marty Wilmer Defoe has been signed former, uh, world series champion with the Washington nationals. He played five seasons in DC, hit 247 over that stretch from 2015 to 2020, 28 years old, uh, you know, a veteran on this team. What do you guys expect his role to be with the Pirates? And, uh, you know, what does this signing mean for for the current state in Pittsburgh? To me, the signing of Wilmer Defoe just further fortifies that Adam Frazier will be moved this offseason. Um, yes, he was a minor league signing, but he – that's the kind of minor league signing that you know going in the spring training, barring something catastrophic, the guy's making your roster. So I think is going to make the squad when the time comes. And I think, again, like I said, this is just another sign that Frazier will be moved. Um, assuming Frazier is moved and we get Cole Tucker at short, Kevin Newman at second, as we've really speculated most of the offseason. You know, you have Eric Gonzalez in third, short, and second, but you always like to have two guys capable of playing the middle infielder on the bench just to be safe. So I think Defoe comes in as that. Defoe can also play the outfield pretty well. Um, he, he's not much of a hitter. 
but he's always been a plus defender at shortstop and second base. Pretty good defensive outfielder. So, you know, he's a guy who you could see. He's still under team control through, I believe, 2023. So you could see him kind of solidify himself as probably a uh, little bit of a mainstay on the Pirate bench for the next few years, depending on how things shake out. But, again, I think the biggest takeaway for me from the signing of Defoe is that that just further solidifies that Adam Frazier will not be on this roster. Excuse me, Hugh. Adam Frazier will not be on this roster whenever opening day rolls around. Yeah. I mean, Defoe, he um, – I agree, Marty. He was brought in as a precursor move. If you look at his contract, there's a lot of big league incentives written into it, uh, which really suggests that they plan on him being at the big league level. Um, right now, it's probably just all about um, – Right now, it's just all about getting the roster construction the way they want it. By bringing Defoe in on a minor league contract, that allows them to keep them off of their completely full 40-man roster. You know, I'm sure these are conversations they have with Defoe and his agent um, to make sure this was going to work out. You know, the thing about Defoe that I want to bring up is and why he was probably a Charrington target and this is one of the things we see that is very similar to Neil Huntington uh, with Charrington is that, and maybe it's just because of the market also of the pirates, but tr- taking flyers on former top prospects, Defoe in 2015 was rated the nationals fourth best prospect right behind Lucas Giolito, Trey Turner and Renato Lopez and actually in front of Victor Robles. So, you know, he was very, highly thought of at one point. Now, obviously, he, you know, hasn't turned into that player. He's 28 years old, so he's probably more of the player we've seen than, you know, the top prospect. But, you know, I do find it interesting, you know, like you said, three years of control, former top prospect. It's at least, you know, someone worth taking a flyer on. I think he was, I was going to say, I think he's just a guy that they look at and they see, you know, adequate defense at, you know, majority of the positions on the field. And he's kind of like Frazier in that regard. Like, you know, he's at about around 250, but he's going to give you a serviceable bench time um, throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's just a great super utility guy to have around, a veteran presence. Uh, you know, we record this episode tonight as some crazy trade news is, is going down. Luis Castillo was reported that. You know, he may be traded to the Yankees. Jeff Passing getting on Twitter and, and shutting that down. He's not been traded yet. Um, so as we record right now, Luis Castillo is still a red, but that could change. That's why there's been a couple of pauses. For all you listeners out there, we've been trying to figure out what's going on with that. Because obviously, if he goes to the Yankees, you know, that, that could change the Joe Musgrove market as the Yankees seem you know, as we mentioned, they seem like a prime team that should be in the Musgrove market. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it could change all kinds of things um, around the league. It would be a huge move as the Yankees continue to bolster that rotation and look to make a, a run at the World Series as they do pretty much every season. The Pirates are setting up for a run down the road here. And as, as we continue to talk about this trade market, you guys brought up Adam Frazier. This move was was made because it, it's likely that Adam Frazier will not be around even by the time spring training hits, let's update his trade market a little bit, kind of who we see coming to contention, teams that would make that trade, and, and when we expect that to happen. Um, Frazier's a guy, I, I'm a little surprised he hasn't been moved yet. I mean, I guess potentially 
DJ LeMay, who's still being out there, could have been holed up. And now that he's off the market, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think Frazier's a guy who really could fit a need for a lot of teams. I mean, just kind of scanning the league, looking for teams who are looking to contend. The Toronto Blue Jays, who the Pirates have been tied to a lot with Musgrove, could use a player like Frazier. He would make sense for the Red Sox. He would make sense for the Mets. Honestly, even with LeMahieu resigned, he still makes sense for the Yankees in a lot of ways, especially with the injury history that Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton all have in the outfield. But, I mean, ultimately, Frazier's a guy who he's going to give you borderline elite defense at second base. He's going to give you above-average defense in the outfield. And at the end of the day, he's going to be an average to slightly above average hitter who at the right ballpark could maybe pull for a little extra power. So I think Frazier's a guy who probably doesn't have a ton of trade value, but has more trade value than people would think. And a guy who will just look often when you see a team go on a World Series run. It's a guy like Frazier. You know, you go back to some of those New York Giants teams of Marcus Curro and Freddie Sanchez – Rock hold on the Red Sox. Like, it's just there's always that one random utility guy who you don't realize how important of a role they can play in a winning squad. I think Frazier can be that guy for somebody. And I, like Musgrove, expect Frazier to get moved before the start of the season. I look at the Toronto Blue Jays as, you know, a very likely destination. And I think part of the holdup partially could be, you know, Joe Musgrove, because if you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, they've been looking to add starting pitching. They were looking to add um, infield help in Kim from Korea, who signed with the Padres. Um, and apparently the Blue Jays were also looking at Francisco Lindor. Obviously, Adam Frazier's not a shortstop, but, uh, you know, they were going to get creative with their infield alignment there. They have Bichette, who can play shortstop for them. So the point is they were looking for infield help. You know, say like a deal with Musgrove and Frazier to the Toronto Blue Jays is possible. Then, you know, you're looking at a huge trade. Now, is that realistic? Maybe not. But I just think the Blue Jays are a team to really watch um, over the next couple of days or weeks and for the Musgrove or Frazier market. Yeah, no doubt. If um, not both. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. And, and like you guys both said, it's surprising that this move hasn't happened yet. We've been you know, head scratching over this for months now. When is he going to be traded? Where is he going to be traded? Still a pirate as of now. Uh, the Pirates claimed Tony Stokes Jr. this week from Detroit. An interesting signing here. A guy that we've heard a lot about coming up, struggled defensively, but has a lot of potential with the bat. Let's talk about this signing. Um, your guys' reaction to this one and maybe your Stokes role in Pittsburgh uh, as he begins his career with the Pirates. Sorry, I fucked that up. <laughs> kind of like this signing um, because he's a guy who hasn't really proven proven himself at the major league levels. When you look across his uh, play in the minor leagues, you can tell that he's got some power. Um, you know, past couple years, he's been averaging well over 150 um, in terms of isolated power. And, you know, the last year is kind of a down year in terms of that power. But the year before that in double A, he hit 19 home runs for a 430 slugging percentage. Um, he walks at in you know above average flip, um, above ten percent, and you know he's he's one of those guys who, you know, Charrington obviously identified him for his power. He he could eventually apply, uh, you know, some bench, you know, playing some bench or being that fourth outfielder to a team that you know has a couple quality outfielders and that just needs that extra bench bat to give them, 
you know, like we talked about with Fraser, you know, he could be that guy. He's only 26, and he could be a guy that could eventually, or 24, I mean, he could eventually be like a stopgap between now and some of the other guys they have in the system. Yeah, I think you know, Jeff, I think you're looking at him as being a guy who could enter spring training, um, competing for the fourth outfielder spot, uh, especially because he's a right-handed hitter in the pirate outfield. Is very left hand hitting heavy between with Gregory Polanco. I mean, Brian Reynolds is a switch hitter, but obviously he's better than left side than the right side. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him compete for that. I also think that looking at it from the Pirates' perspective, I think it's very unlikely that both Anthony Alford and Jared Oliver make the outfield or make the roster, excuse me, start the season. I think Oliver, if he does not win the center field job, they'd probably prefer him to be playing every day at AAA over being the fourth outfielder. So I think you could see a scenario there as well where Stokes would potentially be the fourth outfielder with all of us starting in center field for Indy just because all of us at a point in his career where you still look at him as a potential, if not everyday player, definitely a very key role player on your major league squad whenever you are looking to contend again in a few years. And guys like that, you'd rather them be playing every day at AAA as opposed to being a bench player in the majors. Some other roster buzz happening this week. Turley uh, was DFA'd. The Pirates ended up trading him into Oakland. They'll receive cash considerations. Some interesting, uh, you know, other news coming this week. Nick, you had an article out about Andrew Benintendi. He has the Ben Charrington connection. Uh, you know, we heard that this could be a potential signing. Even from the Red Sox standpoint, the Pirates was a, a name that came up. Uh, they're listening to offers for Andrew Benintendi. Is this realistic? Do we see this signing happen? Um, probably not just because the, it doesn't make a ton of sense for the pirates in their current situation. Uh, Ben is only controlled for a couple more years. So, you know, you're kind of looking at, he's not falling into that window, um, that you're hoping the pirates are aiming to compete in. Uh, so what you're going to have to give up to get Ben you know, are you going to have to give up prospects? That doesn't really make sense for the pirates. Um, maybe big league stuff, but at the same time, like if we're giving up big league players, I think right now people's preference would be to just keep adding more talent into the minor league system, actually. And just because they, I think, a, you know, a bulk of pirate fans are starting to realize like, you know, that this is the way it's going to be. And the, the farm system, uh, if that's how we're going to have to build it, then fine, get the best prospects you can get. So I, in terms, that just doesn't really seem like they're a great match, but you know, in 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 this uh, this report, you know, the Pirates were just mentioned as a team to watch, not necessarily um, a team that was interested because of the Charrington thing. You know, once again, is a Charrington looking at a guy that he previously drafted who he thinks can play much better in the National League Central as a left-handed hitter at PNC Park and maybe as a buy-low opportunity on a guy who can play a lot better for the pirates and then, you know, go from there as you either maybe trade him or extend him. But like I said, to, for them to match up on a trade, I think that would be the, the hardest part of this. Yeah. I'm with you there, Nick. I just don't think this would make a, a whole lot of sense for the pirates. Um, you know, just with the state of the organization and, and the plan right now, it doesn't really line up with, with what, Ben Charrington's been trying to do so far, but it does make sense with his connection and, you know, maybe uh, for a trade ship down the road. Let's give a, an update on some other prospects. Some guys over in the outback in Australia right now, Bly Madris, friend of the podcast, 
Bo Sussler and Robbie Glenn Denning hit Australia for winter baseball a little bit different. We see guys go to the DR. We see guys, uh, you know, go to various sites to, to get ready for the season. But Australia is a, a cool one. Marty, uh, what's going on over there in the Outback? How are these guys doing so far? Uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of people in the Dominican Republic, they think of Venezuela, they don't really think of Australia. But uh, the Pirates have three guys down there right now. Um, actually, I was talking to Bly a little bit last night about it, and uh, he said, you know, a big thing is he was talking to me about it's just important to him to get out there and get at bats after not playing for nine months. You know, he, Glenn Denning, Bo Sussler, they're all guys who were not at the alternate training site last year. So he was talking about the importance. I think when he's played baseball understands this, you know, whether you're a pitcher or a hitter, your mechanics, not getting rusty, getting your timing back. And he said to me, it just it felt great to hit a baseball again. <laughs> so that's that's the biggest thing for those guys. Um, Glenn Denning is the one who's having the most success of the crew right now. Um, this was as of about 8 o'clock Eastern time in the States on Saturday, which would have been like noon Sunday in Australia. Um, Glenn Denning was slugging 533, and this was his fourth year in a row playing down in Australia. He's had a lot of success all four years. He's kind of a very overlooked guy in the Pirate system, I feel like. He's always hitting the minors. It could be a triple A this year. Bly Madris could very well be a triple A this year as well. And uh, Sessler, the lone pitcher down there, is pitching extremely well. In nine innings pitched, he has struck out seven batters. He walked one, and the only run he's allowed has come on a solo home run. So it's just great to see these guys get out there and playing. And like we said, when you miss the entire 2020 minor league season due to COVID, what's most important at this point, getting at bats, getting reps, throwing pitches, and they're having the opportunity to do that down in Australia. Oh yeah, great, great to see. And, and you know, like you said, just any kind of reps these guys can get—they're so hungry for it. Brad Case was telling us he would, you know, go behind pizza restaurants during the quarantine and you know do whatever workouts he could just to get reps in. Great to see these guys going out there and having some success. Um, let's take the next couple minutes to get to know Jeff Cup a little bit better. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on with us tonight and giving your thoughts. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got involved with Rum Bunter, and your experiences so far. been doing this for two years i actually started out as a contributor for pins labyrinth um which is the penguins fan-sided network um i kind of did that just to get in you know i like all pittsburgh sports and uh, eventually down the line i ended up writing my own article about eric gonzalez uh just because i, I kind of like the you know the simple trade and the guys we got i think we got kanaj thompson in that trade too um but Ended up submitting that in, you know, uh, Marty said, to, you know, he, he could bring me on. And but yeah, that's how I got started working here. I mean, I've played baseball all my life. I actually uh, coach and run a baseball team in the Butler Eagle County Baseball League, which is an adult wood bat league. So, um, you know, just love baseball pretty much all, all the time and about it. So just wanted to start giving my opinions and, you know, doing some deeper dives on some of these guys I've been seeing. Yeah, that's awesome to hear, man. It's 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 just for the love of baseball at the end of the day. That's I think why we all do this, you know, why we all get on here and have so much fun with it. because uh, it, it's it really is the greatest game and just getting to, to talk and share about it is such a cool experience. Um definitely agree. Yeah. Any work you got coming up you want to talk about? Any things you're excited about writing on as as we get closer to spring training here? Um I've you know, last couple of 
couple weeks, just kind of been sitting back, seeing where things were going. Um, there was a, an article I, I posted a couple weeks ago, um, kind of did a deep dive into the Pirates' offense and their struggles last year. And that's just one thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, you might think of the Pirates coming off of a 19, you know, 41 record year and their offense is struggling mightily is just going to, you know, lay it down this year. But I, I really see a team that resembles more like a 75 win team like those 2018 teams you know uh, just because they had a lot of regression and it tells by their statistics you know that's what I, you know I pointed out in the article just dropping from being you know one of the top teams in batting average of on um, balls in play they dropped from 309 in 2019 to 268 in uh, 2020 and their hard rate hit changes never really changed that much and so you go through each hit player you just see you know, they're due for some regression back to, you know, their historical average or, you know, at least better than what they did last year, especially guys like Reynolds and Newman. You know, those guys have been hitting all their careers. There's no way they come out here and put up, you know, a 190 batting average or a 220 and just completely lay down this season. I really think this is a more of like a 70 to 75 win team um, than being one of the worst in baseball. Yeah, yeah, we're right there with you, man. This is... This is the year we think that could be the turning year, maybe the 2011 year. If you know, you look back to the Andrew McCutcheon era. We've talked about that a good bit on this show, and even this past season, the Pirates ended the year on a little bit of a winning streak, and there was some some really positive signs. You know, we heard about the the buzz in the clubhouse, the excitement, the energy that this team brought, um, and you know, even one of those things was just the way that they handled the COVID nineteen pandemic. It was one of the most COVID friendly teams, from what we heard. Um, you know, taking all the precautions, doing everything right. PNC Park now uh, will potentially serve as a COVID-19 vaccination site, joining some other ballparks around the league. Um, you know, I, I saw this this week. Nick had an article on this one. I thought this was a really cool deal. The Pirates try to do as much as they can for the community. I, I thought this was um, you know, a cool way to kind of give back and, and help serve as we continue to try to get through this virus. Yeah, no, it's cool to see the Pirates doing that with the COVID vaccine stuff at PNC Park. I mean, obviously a great way to get a lot of people vaccinated quickly like we need is to set up like a mass vaccination thing like that. So that would be cool. Hopefully that will seems like that's going to be able to come to fruition whenever the time comes where UPMC has enough vaccines to roll out. So that would be awesome, you know. And like you said, just great to see the Pirates. They're always great to the community. No matter what people want to say about Bob Nutting and spending money or not spending whatever it is, Pirates Charities has a lot of great things for Pittsburgh. They've always been huge to the community, and now you see them doing this to get back to the community again. It's just awesome to see the Pirates doing what they can to help all of us get on the other side of this and, you know, hopefully get our normal lives back, you know, sooner rather than later. No kidding, man. The sooner it can come, the better. The sooner the season can come and, and you know, give fans uh, some baseball, the better as well as we continue to creep closer to spring training. The NFL playoffs starting to, to get into the deeper stages. I love this time of the year because right when the, the Super Bowl comes, it's a great event. I love watching, you know, awesome football like that. But when you know the, the fourth quarter hits zero seconds, it's time for baseball. We're getting there. We are, we're going to have Chris Mack on the podcast later this week. Formerly did pre- and post-game for the Pirates, now on 93.7 The Fan doing the morning show. Get his thoughts on this season and, and how things are going on his end. We got all kinds of content out on the website right now. We talked about some articles tonight. You can find all of Jeff's work there, Marty. Nick, and the rest of our great staff as well. That's all the time we have for this episode. Until next time, everybody, my name's Trianity. For Nick Caparoso, Marty Leach, and Jeff Cup. this has been a production of Rum Buncher Radio. You can find us on the Rum Buncher app at fansided.com slash rumbuncher. 
uh, on our social media at rumbuncher and on omni.com slash rumbuncher as well. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.